You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to have you join us, those in person, those watching online. Uh, such an honor. If I have the chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, this morning, we're continuing a series we started a few weeks ago called Real Conversations. And we're going to dive into a really powerful conversation in a minute. Just want to mention a few things real quick. First of all, I want to welcome back Pastor Dave Martin. He had open heart surgery just a few weeks ago. He's uh, back with us this morning. Um, so good to see you here, uh, Dave, and just such a, uh, man, so glad you're doing well. Um, and uh, number two, I mentioned this last week, next Sunday, just a reminder for those who are catalysts here, um, we have a meeting following the Sunday morning service briefly after service next week to vote on our roof project. Uh, we're going to be replacing the roof of the family center, and uh, we have all the money ready to go, but uh, because of the amount, we have to get congregational approval, part of our bylaws. So uh, if you're a catalyst, just plan on hanging out after service next Sunday briefly here in the sanctuary, and we'll go through that process and uh, explain everything and um, should be taken care of. So I just want to hit that real quick. So today, uh, uh, one, last, one last thing. Uh, today is really exciting because today's baptisms. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, we have our spring baptisms this morning, and uh, there are some people who have signed up. We're ready to go. We're excited to celebrate with them, but we also, something that's unique maybe that we like to do is have opportunity for spontaneous baptisms. Maybe God's working on your heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit's stirring in you, and you're like, man, I want to get baptized. I just didn't sign up. We've got everything ready for you. We've got clothes, towel, you name it. We've got it. And at the end of the service, you're going to have opportunity to, uh, to say, you know what? Now's the time. Why not now? Why not here? And I just want to say one thing. Uh, as I was just preparing and praying for this, for those of you watching online, you might be like, man, I would like to baptize, but I'm not there. Here's the deal. If you live in the area, you still got time. And, uh, uh, and, if, and if you don't come, I'm going to tell Nick. There you go. <laughs> That's, That's the good. line of the day, right? That's good. Um, if you're watching online, you're like, man, I want to get baptized. God's been putting in my heart. I want you to get in your car right now and drive here. They'll be waiting in the foyer for you, and uh, they've got everything ready to go. You can actually even bring your own clothes if you want because, you know, come from home. But don't worry about that. We've got everything covered. So if those of you here, um, if God's working on your heart, I just want to give you a heads up. Man, you have opportunity today at the end of the service. You can just walk to the back. They're going to get you everything you need and get you set up and ready to go. So this morning, we are blessed to have with us back a good friend of mine, Pastor Brian Cuck. He's been here uh, before, and we were just so blessed. Thank you for, yeah, for being with to us be today. Um, such an incredible uh, influence and impact in my life, and um, you've been an impact in our church as well. So thank you for, for being with us. Such an honor Great to, to have be you. Here. Yeah, such an honor to have you with us. Uh, recently, I don't know if you can share this with everyone, but you just retired from a GT. A month ago. A month ago. After 33 years. Yeah, just like Jesus. But I part my hair in the middle so it makes me look young. There you go. <laughs> so people don't really realize that. But. That's so good. So thank you for, uh, for being with us and, uh, you know, thank you for all that you've done at GT, the example you've set for us that uh, we've been able to step into. Uh, our church and so many churches across Pennsylvania and Delaware, thank you for that. You bet. It's just such an honor. Um, so kind of, kind of get the conversation started this morning. Tell us a little about your story, kind of your, your journey. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to make the story brief so we yeah. can get into talking about suffering. But um, I'm going to start with a verse, Psalm 37, 23 and 24. Here's what it says. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail 
not three quarters, not 60%, every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Um, and so if I was going to tell my story, typically, I think last time I was here, I brought a baseball bat. Yeah. Uh, but today, we're just going to raise some cane, all right? I've got a cane. <laughs> and when I think of my story, um, you know, grew up, I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a junior in high school. Uh, we went to church on Christers, Christmas and Easter is when I basically went to church. But my junior year, I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, changed my life. But my life to that point was defined really by a baseball bat. And that's really was my God in many ways. And so I truly surrendered my life to God. The next year, my senior year, 1982, uh, I graduated Thursday. The MLB draft was on Friday. I was drafted by the Chicago White Sox that Friday night. Saturday, I signed my contract. Monday, I was in spring training in Sarasota, Florida. I, pray, I played from, uh, I started praying too, and that was a good thing, but I played from 82 to 85. Uh, in 1985, I was playing up in Geneva, New York. I was a catcher. There was some stuff going on in the game, which I refused to do as a Christian, but I ended up getting beaned with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball in my left eye. So that was the first tragedy chapter of my life. And it was. It was a moment of suffering because I went from being a professional ball player to being wheeled through the O'Hare, um, Chicago O'Hare Airport in a wheelchair. And um, so my life was really changed. So from there, I thought I got to get a real job. I went to college, business major. And while I was there, I was called into full-time ministry. The last thing on planet Earth I ever thought I would do. But I, God just said, Brian, if you let me, I'm going to make a difference. I'll, I'll use you and you'll make a difference. And so I gave my life to God. Again, long story short, uh, met my wife, we raised three boys, and I started at GT Church in 1988. Wow. And as I said, I just retired from pastoral ministry last month, and um, it was just a, a powerful time. But we love to ride motorcycles. T- t- just real quick, yep. you took over GT in 1988. How many people were in that church? Uh, well, I was an associate in 88. I took over in 92. 92, okay. Uh, 100 members. 100 people. And it so, was vote, my vote was 99 to 1. 99 to 1. Good job, man. Yeah. That's well, and good. I always know if something went wrong, it was the one no vote. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, that was really a meaningful thing. You retired just a month ago. How many yeah. people call GT home? Pre-COVID, we'll say. Well, yeah, pre-COVID, I, you know, we were, you know, we'd have 8,000 on Easter, 10,000 on Christmas, roughly, you know, 2,800, 3,000 people. incredible. This is incredible. Yeah. Thank you for your... Uh, just faithfulness in that. Yeah, well, God, Man, God, to God be the glory. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. So as was a baseball bat, my wife and I loved to ride Harley-Davidson. I rode motorcycle from the time I was 13. And uh, so we'd ride. In fact, that Sunday, we do what you do here at Calvary. Many, every year, we would do a first responder Sunday or a hero's weekend, like you call it. Uh, that afternoon, after the service, we had police and cops and you name it, uh, EMTs, firefighters. Uh, we took a ride on our motorcycle, a beautiful June day. It'll be six years, June 7th, uh, and we're just riding home. And um, we were hit uh, head-on by a drunk driver. And it was a tragic chapter that brought a lot of suffering and heartache, not only to me, but to our church, most importantly, my family, my boys. Uh, my three boys almost lost both their parents in one night. So Lynn was instantly taken to heaven. Uh, I lost my left leg. Um, I'm an AK, I'm an above-the-knee amputee. Uh, and so it was just a really tragic time in our life. And I could, could go on and on about that. But 19 surgeries, 
I was in a medicated coma for almost three weeks. All the funerals that I preach as a pastor like Nick does, uh, I missed my own wife's funeral. 51 days later, I got out of the hospital. I'll never forget the day that my sister-in-law, because I didn't even know where I was. I had no memory of what was going on. I'm like, where am I? And she said, and this is what the chaplain told her to say, Brian, um, you were in a bad accident. Lynn is dead, and you don't have your left leg. And I'll never forget running my hand down over my left leg, because I didn't even know I was an amputee at that point, and I didn't feel my kneecap. So from there, I got a prosthetic leg, um, and it was just, and you could do another whole real conversation yeah. on forgiveness, yeah. because it's one thing to understand it, it's great to receive it, but it's really hard to give it. So that, that's quickly, and so it goes from a bat to handlebars to a cane, and um, that's mm-hmm. kind of my story. Man, uh, thank you for, for sharing that with us, and um, you've walked through some incredible pain. You've had hopes you know, you, you didn't mention you were back up for Carlton Fisk. Yeah, I went I mean, to the bigs a couple days. And, yeah. uh, and pretty awesome and so many hopes and dreams yep. ahead of you. And to have a lot of those seemingly robbed. Um, you know, as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus, there's this idea of, of joy that we're told to have. You know, right. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is our strength. How do you reconcile um, pain and suffering with this idea of joy that we're supposed to have as a follower of Jesus? Well, one of the ways, you know, one of the sticky things that I would say that I hope you walk out of here with today, and uh, it was very kind that Nick has gotten some books for some of you that are newcomers, but here's one thing I want you to stick in your mind, kind of the bottom line. Uh, Many days in life, it's okay to say, I'm all right. That's the title of my book, I'm all right, because I don't have a left eye, I don't have a left leg, I lost the wedding ring off my left hand, which was the most painful. So I, I technically am just all right. I don't have much left on the left. You get that, Nick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Makes sense. Just, I'm just checking. It's good, it's good, it's good. And we get through life with prayer and just some humor. My boys, we would laugh, and I was one night saying that, just kind of whatever. And they said, you know, that ought to be the title of your book. So there's your complimentary oh, copy. Oh, man, thank but, you. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you. But the way we balance that... Um, you know, that thought of where do we get, you know, where do we have this joy? Uh, a lot of times as Christians, and I grew up a lot of my life not knowing the Lord, but we read things, but we really don't hear it. So Romans eight twenty eight, God says, here's what he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good of, for, of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And, you know, oh yeah, Romans eight twenty eight. But when you really read that, and we know, not we think, not we hope, we know that God causes everything. So everything that happens in our life doesn't mean that the pain we go through is good. What I went through is horrible. I think about it every day when I strapped this leg on. I was at the hotel today just thinking as I come here, man, how my life has changed. But God can cause everything that happens in our life for good. You're watching online today. I don't know what you're dealing with, but that's God's promise to you that if you love God, if you're called according to his purpose, he's gonna work things for good for your life. So that's just a powerful thing. And I think the temptation for us is in those hard times, because I've had so many people say, Brian, you know, your story is, you know, unreal. Well, we all have a story. There's things, part of your story that that you're maybe just brokenhearted over, and we get tempted to be angry at God, to run from God, or to lean on something that's worldly. We all lean on something. It could be drugs, it could be whatever, 
but we need to lean on God. And so I think that's how we really balance that joy. I'm going to give you one walk away on this. Um, it's not wrong to question God. So that's a part of balancing this joy. Uh, when you read your Bible, and I want to tell you, I love what you do on social media. Man, if you miss Pastor Nick each day when he gives a word, how many of you check that out? I mean, you're online. Check it out. So good. Um, but one of the walkaways today is that it's, it's okay to question God. When you read the Bible and the Psalms, they're called the lament Psalms. Uh, I'll give you an example. Psalm 73. Maybe this week you could read it. David says this, Psalm 73. He says, God is good to Israel. That's orientation. We get an orientation that, yes, God is good. He's good all the time. But then things happen in life, and we get disoriented. We go through suffering, heartache, divorce, disease, you name it, motorcycle wreck, whatever it is, and we get disoriented. And so David says, yes, God is good to Israel, but as for me, I see the wicked prospering, and here I am hiding in a cave from King Saul. So you go from orientation to disorientation, but then when you get to verse 17, he said, then I walked in the sanctuary. Here's what it says. I walked into the sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. We get a reorientation. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I've tried to do. And there, I, listen, I never have a bad hair day. Come on, say amen, <laughs> amen. if you agree. I, I never have a bad hair day, right? I mean, I get up, it looks as perfect as when I went to bed. But there's days I have a bad day. Mm -hmm. I have a bad leg day or my hips are killing me or I'm just wearied by this life now that I have to live. Uh, but I'll tell you, God is good. I gave uh, your production team, and I'll wrap up with this on that. Um, we did a series at GT, and it was called The New Normal. And suffering, even when God works together for good for us, it brings a new normal. And we did a series at GT very similar to Real Conversations where we would teach and then somebody would come out and tell their story and they would shatter something on our stage. Former General Superintendent George Wood spoke in that series and he shared some of his heartbreaking things. Just like the worship leader today, what I want to say, what a powerful thought to be that um, you know, transparent, to be that authentic, to say, listen, we all struggle. And George Wood shattered something on our stage. And if they put the picture up of the mosaic, we took that series over seven weeks and we put that picture up there. I don't know if you guys, you had, yeah. Um, that is all the broken pieces of that series. They're pieces of my motorcycle on that mosaic. All that brokenness. And here's what I want to tell you. You're home watching online. Only God can take our brokenness and make it beautiful. Amen. And so that's how I've tried to balance Amen. it. That's really good. It's really good. What, what do you think is the biggest lie that, uh, that we, as followers of Jesus, can believe about suffering, that we kind of buy into that isn't actually true? Well, you know, that's a, that was a great question. I, I think it's a big problem that we have. Let me ask this. How many of you here today have been lied to? Somebody has lied to you. Oh, some of you haven't had that. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, how many of you have told a lie? So if you don't raise your hand, I know you're lying right now. So, bam, <laughs> it happened. You can do it, all right? Um, but you know the biggest problem with lies? The lies we tell ourselves. We have a thousand conversations a day with ourselves about, oh, I'll never be the same. No one will ever love me again. I'll never measure up to get this job that I've been promoted to. I'm never going to have any money. You know, we just tell ourselves these lies. It's a big deal. It's a great book if you ever want to read it. It's called Kill the Spider. You know, you go out in the morning, you knock the, you know, you go out of your deck or whatever and you knock the, the cobweb out of the way. Guess what will happen tomorrow if you go out on your deck? There'll be another cobweb. 
Cobweb represents the circumstances. We've got to kill the spider. We've got to kill that lie. And man, when it comes to suffering, one of the biggest lies it's told is many times told by the church. They say this, if you have real faith, if you really love God and you have faith, you're never going to experience suffering. I want to tell you right now, today, in the name of Jesus, based on the word of God, that's a lie. You can have real faith, you can love God, but you can still struggle and have suffering. I mean, when you read Hebrews 11, it's the hall of faith. You read all the great victories of what people have done, but at the end it talks about all the suffering. Those that were eaten by beasts, those that were fed to lions, I mean, those that were cut in half by the sword, they were people of faith, yet they suffered. So I think it's such a great lie for when you not only are battling something, cancer, you've gone through divorce, someone has harmed you, betrayed you, uh, abused you, whatever, and then you're told, well, it's because you don't have right faith. That's, that's a real lie. I mean, even the Apostle Paul, who had divine healing, he could raise the dead. I mean, it says in Acts 19 that they would bring handkerchiefs and aprons, and if they would just touch him and they'd lay him on the sick, guess what would happen? They'd be healed. But it, it didn't always happen that way because healing, and, and we believe in the miraculous, we believe in the power of God, but it doesn't always happen. It's not guaranteed in the atonement on the cross like salvation is. And so when he gets in 2 Timothy, Paul says, I'm leaving Maltus, but I'm leaving Trophimus, my servant, sick. And you're thinking, no, wait a minute. If a handkerchief brushes you and they can heal the sick, why would you leave Trophimus sick? The biggest lie we face in suffering is that if I'm right with God, I'll never suffer. And it's just not true. Yeah, man, that's so true. It's really good. I know that was for me, um, that was, a man, as a pastor, a struggle to process when my dad passed away. He got mm-hmm. sick. You know, I, I remember clearly sitting at Chipotle near the hospital with a friend of mine who was a pastor and sitting there talking to him saying, um, my dad has given everything to ministry. He's been a pastor my whole life pretty much. And I've watched him sacrifice, go above and beyond, give everything he's got. And in the end, he really had nothing to show for it. My parents never owned a house. They, they didn't you know, have money stowed away. They, they, he wasn't even on, he didn't even have health insurance at the time. And why, of all that he's done, does, he, does it end this way? And I remember just having that conversation and processing that for a long time. I was like, why would, why would I want to follow in my dad's footsteps as a pastor if this is how it ends? Why, why would I want to leave my kids, my family in that place? And and that's like a, just a raw uh, thing I was processing. And, yeah. and, and as I was processing that, it's exactly what you're saying. I, I'm working as a, you know, I've been a, following Jesus for a long time, um, you know, almost 35 years. And because um, I, was, I was saved when I was one. Um, wow. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but, I mean, I've been following Jesus. Did you Jesus just tell a lie? Did- <laughs> Ah. There we go. Good job. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I was really operating with that idea that, man, if you do all the right things, my dad did all the right things, then things just magically work out. Like, right. hey, I did my end of the deal, God. I, I, I signed my name on that contract, right. and you do your end of the deal. And, and it's not a contract like that. It's not a contract like, That's right. if I do all of these things, then God everything is magically going to fall into place. And I've had a lot of conversations, I'm sure as you have, as a pastor with people like, oh, I started coming to church and I got fired. Like, 
what happened? Maybe right. I shouldn't be in church. Or, or man, things are starting to, to, to get right with God in my life yeah. and, and things are going crazy over here. Maybe, maybe I did something wrong. Like, like, no, 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 no. Honestly, it's the opposite. That's right. Often when you're on the right track, when you're doing the right things, the enemy's doing everything he can to distract you and to pull you away from what God is wanting to do. And, and things kind of will amp up. In fact, read the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, the disciples who were closest to Jesus didn't have it easy. No. If you read history, they all were martyred. Uh, I mean, that, that's pretty substantial. Uh, that's right. So I just appreciate that, that thought. It's so, so genuine, real, and, uh, and, and applicable. Um, w- looking back over your story, Brian, you know, you walk through some incredibly painful times. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine not being able to be there for your wife's funeral. What a, mm-hmm. man, difficult time. And I remember when you were walking through that, um, as a church, we prayed for you. And as, yes. as, as, as you. churches across Pennsylvania and Delaware, I know we're praying for you. And I remember just following the updates that the church would provide and, and so many, so many difficulties. And as you kind of started to rehab and, and, and get, yeah. get back to, to, to kind of a little bit more normal, how did you make it through that season? And, and I'm not saying you're out of the woods and like, yeah, you know, right. no, everything's no, no. perfect. And I don't, that, no, I don't no. think that, that happens. But how, how, what was it that sustained you? What was it that kept you going right it's a it's a great question and and many of you that are listening today you've gone through hard things too uh every one of us has a story and every story certainly matters to god uh you know just a couple things that stick out of my mind with that is that and i'll just to teach you about suffering because i think sometimes as christians we really lose the concept of what it's really all about like for example like you you go to a funeral and there's someone standing there by the casket and and you ask a question, because I just will say this, I'll be very frank. Sometimes Christians say stupid things. Like, don't walk up to a casket of a, a loved one who's lost their husband, wife, and say, how are you doing? That's a stupid question. Okay? Because if you think about it, I'm, sarcasm is one of my spiritual gifts, too. Yeah. So I just want to <laughs> throw that out there. Too many years in the locker room, I think, with the white socks. But you, you know how they're doing. They're hurting. They're in pain. If you really want to know how they're doing, they would tell you. So then the other side of it is sometimes as Christians, we don't want to say anything stupid or hurtful because you don't know. You can't say, well, you know, I went through something. Like I had people coming and say, well, Brian, I know exactly how you feel. No, you're not an amputee. You didn't lose your wife. You don't know exactly how I feel. So they don't say anything. They just remain quiet. Prayer is a huge thing. And I want to say, Calvary, thank you so much for praying for me because I think the two most powerful things you can do to help someone is pray for them and just listen. Just, just be a friend. Just listen. You're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to say, well, one day God's going to use this story because there's a time in that story where you don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. All right? And God will bring that about in his time. Uh, that's one thing. Another powerful thing that helped me Um, was that I've learned, I thought I understood grief as a pastor. I mean, 30 years at GT Church, hundreds of funerals, I really didn't understand it. Um, Because I know now people listen to me differently than they did before the accident. But the most important thing is I listen differently to people than I did before the accident. Uh, And so there were times when I felt like I was in a movie. I went from having three kids living at home. We were just that that stage of life where we were going to be empty nesters. How many have ever known what that's like? It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. It's really cool. Like, you visit the grandkids. I mean, I mean, uh, Heidi and them just hosted me last night. Great family. But Kids I'm are just, running everywhere. It was chaotic. Yeah, and I'm just Screaming and, and Heidi said, well, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heidi said, how do you feel now? I said, well, 
I remember that time, but I just get to go to my hotel where it's quiet. And, um, but we were going through that season. I went from having three boys living at home, one getting married, um, one, you know, one having a child, one getting married, and one just a senior in high school. And it was really hard because, um, man, I, I'm an extrovert, love to talk, and Lynn wasn't there, the kids weren't there, and I'm like, man, alive, what a change in my life. But one of the most powerful things I learned was a pre-grieve, because grief hits you like a wave. I don't wake up every day grieving and crying. I, I never did that, but there were times it would just, a certain thing would hit me, and I just, man, the tears, and I wasn't a crier. I mean, I used to think, man, I'm a pastor, I should cry more. I mean, Little House on the Prairie, once in a while, would get it out of me, but uh, I just didn't cry enough, you know what I mean? Old Yeller. Old Yeller, oh, I ball through Old Yeller, yeah, I mean, that's, that's bad, but but I would just start crying. And so I didn't want to go. The other thing I learned about grief, people say, oh, the first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas. Can I tell you this? There are a lot of firsts in life. The first time your grandson talks, the first time he walks, and I would, I'd, I'd want to start crying because I thought, man, Lynn would love to see this. She couldn't wait for that, right? And so I would just have that moment before I'd go to my son or my grandson's first birthday party, and I'd say, God, this is going to be hard, but I, I would do my pre-grieve because I don't want to go to the place and then start getting upset and saying, oh man, we feel so bad for dad. So it was a struggle, but God yeah. helped me through it for That's sure. That's awesome. What, what, uh, when you're talking about lessons you've learned in grief, um, what was one of the, you kind of mentioned some of this, but what was the, um, what was the, the most difficult lesson of grief to to learn. The most difficult lesson was, who was it? Was it a Charlie Brown character that said, good grief? Yeah. I never realized that there's a good part to grief. Yeah. We always think of grief being a bad thing, or I can't grieve. If I really have faith, I should just be, hallelujah, praise God. No, that's not true. Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he wept. So I think the greatest lesson I learned, yeah. Nick, was that Grief can be a good thing. It's, it's yeah. abnormal to not grieve. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. In, in the American church specifically, kind of narrowing on this, um, we have, uh, by and large, not exclusively, but by and large, I think the American church has kind of, uh, you kind of mentioned this, pushed suffering away. Like, um, what do you think the struggle for the American church is with this idea of suffering? Well, I, I think a lot of it, it's just so relative. You know, like, I'll never forget, I've traveled all over the world, and you go to Africa, and, you know, I 98% unemployment in Congo, Africa. And yet they dance up to the offering plate and put their offerings in the bucket. Mm. And then the pastor counts it right while they're singing. It's like a six-hour service. Like, it doesn't end at 12 noon. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm going to be mindful. I know we have baptism. But, but the, thought, the thought was is that the pastor would count the offering. It wasn't enough. You know what he'd do? We've got to take another one. Oh. <laughs> Try that here at uh, Irwin. <laughs> so it's all relative. Like the things we think are hard, you know. I, I like to tease people now like, oh, I didn't come to church. I had a hangnail. Uh, yeah, I, I got hurt once, you know. I learned that from Dave Reaver. Yeah, yeah I, I got hurt once. Yeah, look at my kneecap, you know. Um, but I think the real, but this past year, think of what we've gone through in yeah. America, political upheaval, yeah. racial tension. We're starting to learn life isn't easy, and there are 
hard spots in life, for sure. What do you think moving forward? I mean, this last year, there's you know, a lot of upheaval, like you said. Uh, we've been asked to do things in church, and church has looked different. Yeah. What do you think moving forward, looking to the future, is going to be the biggest lesson that the church, American church is going to learn about suffering? Wow. Um, I, I, that's a great question. I don't know that I have the answer. Here would be my one thought. Um, here's what I've learned about life, and we know it before it happens, but life can change quickly. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's Paul in the book of Acts where he's going across the sea, and in a moment, the winds change, and the next thing you know, he's floating in the ocean. I mean, I remember what a year ago, March 15th, we, that day at GT was going to be our, our annual business meeting that night, and COVID struck. And I, and I often say to our church, here's the lesson. Again, I can't answer it for you or for anybody else or for certainly for America. But I would say this. This is what I would leave you with. Let's bring our funeral talk into real life. Mm-hmm. You know, we say all these nice things about a dead person who, guess what, can't even hear it. So when we think of a nice thing or you need forgiveness or you need to say, I'm sorry, man, let's, let's do that now. And I think, I hope the American church learns that Things can change real quickly. So let's not wait to invite our friend to church. Let's not wait to make an investment or be a part of missions or, or do what God's called us to do because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. I mean, the Bible teaches us yeah, that. Yeah. And I hope that would be the greatest yeah, yeah. Do you think this last year that um, maybe we've learned some lessons of suffering in the American church that maybe the, the global church is praying and hoping the American church grasps? Oh, I totally believe that. What do you think the, the biggest thing that the global church, because I mean, you've traveled, I've traveled, you go, yeah, I mean, almost any other country, especially developing countries, um, suffering is a regular part of what they do. Yeah. Like it's accepted. Right. Yeah, where in American church, like, um, and I'm guilty of this myself, the air conditioning breaks, we're flipping out, you know. Um, if, if my parking spot isn't oh, there yeah. or someone's in my seat or... Um, you know, sorry if I'm stepping on toes here, people. Right. Um, but but that, that, that's kind of been our... Oh, yeah. That's been our MO. Um, what do you think the biggest lesson the global church is hoping the American church will learn about suffering? Well, I'll say this, because it made, made me laugh when you said it. Like, when I'd get back from Africa or Vietnam, wherever I'd travel, most people wouldn't bring a complaint to me for at least a month. Because I wasn't in a good place to say, so I just get back from Congo where people are suffering. Pastors aren't being paid. They're being imprisoned in some ways and whatever. And so I'm coming back to the church and people are saying, the air conditioning's too cold. The drums are too loud. Someone's sitting in my seat. And I'm like, please. <laughs> That's not suffering. Yeah. You know? So I think what it is, even when we went through 9-11, that was a game changer for a couple weeks, and now the airports are different. We've got to check in and, and do all that. But I believe with the pandemic, it's just, it didn't matter who you were, if you traveled, didn't travel. It didn't matter if you had money, you didn't have money. It kind of leveled the playing field. And it really breaks my heart to see Christians bucking against, you know, the mask and, oh, Jesus is my mask. And, you know, and, and your, our rights are being, you know, hurt because we're caving into the government. That's so untrue. It's just, this is a season that we're going through. I buried my grandmother uh, right before the pandemic hit. She was 100 years old. 
She was born in 1920, all right? Went through the Great Depression. How many presidents? I thought, oh, even what my grandmother went through in life. Uh, I think the pandemic has really leveled the playing field. That suffering is a part of the Christian life. In fact, when they get baptized today, they're going to be baptized. When they go under the water, they're identifying with the death of Jesus. When they're brought out, they're going to be identifying with the resurrection. We always want to identify with God's power, but we don't want to identify with his suffering. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, suffered. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I I think one of the reasons we want to have this conversation is because um, I, I think this is something that as American Christian, and I think it's unique to American Christians, um, is we forget about the suffering part. That, you know, in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus was known as a suffering servant. He, he suffered. And in and, and, and a lot of the epistles that Paul writes, Romans, one example, he talks about like we share in his suffering. Right. We, we share in his pain. Um, and we have become comfortable to the point as, a, as American Christians that any sign of suffering we assume means God's blessing has been removed from us. Yeah, like, that's right. Oh my goodness, God, God's not present anymore because things are getting a little difficult that's or a right. little rocky. <clears throat> that's not true though. No. I, I think it's actually the opposite. It's exactly right. I think it's, oh man, God's getting ready to do something. Amen. Things are, my, my wife, Heidi, is awesome at this. Uh, I'll have a tough week, something crazy will go you know, happen or, uh, you know, whatever in our car or house or our kids or whatever. And, and Heidi's always like, Nick, something's about to happen. This, this crazy stuff like this doesn't just happen. Keep focused on what God's doing. And um, I, I think that's where we are as American church, as Christians, is we need to normalize that's suffering. Right. Not, not like that's we run right. to it, right? right like right. we aren't... Um, uh, uh, like running to, like, I want to get hurt more. Or I want to f- feel suffering more. Can I, I'll just tell you yeah. two quick stories. Yeah. I was in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. We're sitting out in front of the Rex Hotel where our media stayed during the Vietnam War. And our worship leader that was on the team with Reaver just had his guitar and started strumming his guitar. And, and really not even singing a worship song, but just kind of singing along, because it's a communist country. Well, people started to gather. As Americans, we have the right to assemble. You know, we're, we see all the protests now and what's going on. Do you know, as about 60 Vietnamese came around where we were doing that, the cops came and literally started beating them with billy clubs. What a wake-up call as an American to say, man, how good do we have it? Oh, my goodness. China, if you were getting baptized and spontaneous, hey, you know, if you've given life to Christ, you don't need to go to class, we're just going to baptize you today. What an awesome thing. We did the same thing. Do you know in China if they were going to do that? They do it December 1st in a lake that's frozen because they can't be found out to what they're doing. So I think you're right. It's normalizing suffering. It's a part of the Christian faith. We're never promised that, that the early Christians, they gave their life. The apostles, like you said earlier, yeah. Martin, they, they gave their life. So I think that's something we really need to learn. Yeah, and, and I, I want to kind of just wrap up this conversation here um, with, with this, this idea, so, some of you, maybe you're here in person, you're watching a line, and you're kind of figuring out this whole faith thing, this Jesus thing. You're like, ah, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know where I sit with this. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if I'm even worthy of what Jesus wants to offer me. And I want you to know, Jesus, uh, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, it says that Jesus endured the pain of the cross, mm. the suffering of the cross, and, and it was incredible suffering. 
he endured it for you, for the joy set before him. And, and because of the work he did on the cross, meaning he died on that cross, but he rose again three days later, you can be forgiven. Right. No matter what's in your past, no matter what you're walked through, you can be forgiven. And, and I love this word that you can be redeemed. That, that your past is always going to be your past. And for those of you, maybe you're, you're suffering of your past. It's always going to be with you. It's not going to, you don't reach a point where it like just disappears. But God redeems it. He redeems it. You join Christ in his sufferings and you rise again with a new life. And maybe you're here, you're watching the line. You'd say, you know what, Nick? I've never taken this step to commit my life to Jesus. And what I mean by commit my life to Jesus is to live my life in his way. Like, Brian made it through what you made it through, not because you just figured out your way. It's because you did it Christ's way. You followed his path. Was it easy? No. Was it free of uh, struggle or difficulty? No. But you did it Christ's way. And when you do it Christ's way, you get to experience what you read, Romans 8, that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We miss the purpose part. We love the love part. We miss God as a purpose. And for, for some of you this morning, God has a purpose for your life. I, I don't, I'm not saying God caused the pain. He caused the suffering. caused that, that, that girlfriend to walk out on you. He caused you to lose your job. He caused that, right. that, that physical ailment or, or that tragedy in your family. I'm not saying God caused any of that. But I'm saying God can redeem. He hasn't given up on you. It doesn't uh, disqualify you from his purpose. Amen. But you have to be willing to say, Jesus, I want to experience your forgiveness of my past. But I want to commit toward the future, your purpose in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, Nick, I need to take that step. I need to take that step. I need to get on my, uh, the right path to follow Jesus. And I want to pray for you here in a minute and give you an opportunity to say, today, today I want to take that step. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for Brian's story that was shared with us this morning. God, I pray for those who might be here that, that are uh, maybe don't know you. Lord, those who, who haven't experienced, Lord, your grace and your forgiveness. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just let your spirit work in them, stir in them. Holy Spirit, have your way in their lives. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here, and you'd say, Nick, I haven't taken that step to follow Jesus. I haven't committed my life to him. I, I, I haven't, I haven't uh, experienced his purpose and stepped toward that. I want to give you the opportunity uh, to say, you know what, today, I want to take that step. And in a minute, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. If you're watching at home, uh, you can do that. You might be by yourself. That's okay. I think there's an act of your physical will that it's important to take. And if that's you and the Holy Spirit's been working on you and speaking to you, and maybe you don't even know why you tuned in this morning. Maybe you don't even know why you came to church. But but God had you here for a reason. Say, you know what? I need to do this God's way. I need to experience his forgiveness, step toward his purpose. That's you. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand up this morning, wherever you are, whether you're here in person, online? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone just to pray this prayer with me together. Uh, Whether you raised your hand or not, we are part of the family of God. I think this is an important declaration, prayer to pray. And my hope is, if you're not a person who prays very often, that this could be the first of many conversations you have with God. That's all prayer is. Would you guys pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, Thank you for loving me with my past and all my baggage. Thank you for not giving up on me. Today I accept your forgiveness. I commit to live for your purposes. 
Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer uh, and you're like, man, I'm gonna stick with this. I wanna encourage you, if you're in person, there's a connect card, fill that out, drop it in a giving box or, or at the Connection Center or, or you can go online to connect.calvaryirwin.com fill out that uh, digitally by just clicking the, the tab for I'm committing life to Jesus and let us know. We want to help you continue that journey. Uh, for all of us, everyone else here this morning, man, I'm so pumped. I, this is one of my favorite days uh, throughout the year when we get to baptize people. Not because it's just some formal religious thing, because it's a celebration. Uh, we are part of the family of God, and we celebrate when, when people are joining that family. And, and maybe for you, you joined that family, you're a follower of Jesus, you never took the step to be baptized, and you're like, man, I missed the deadline, I didn't sign up. Uh, we have opportunity for you to, to get baptized today. Uh, in the book of Acts, there's a story is Philip was traveling, uh, and he, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch who's in this, his chariot, and he's reading through the scroll of Isaiah uh, about this suffering servant that we talked about. And he's confused, like, who is this? What's he talking about? And God speaks to Philip and prompts him, and he goes up to this Ethiopian eunuch, and he asks him, do you know what you're reading, sir? And, and the man's like, I don't know. I'm confused. I don't understand this. And Philip sits down with him, and he starts telling him about the suffering servant and who the suffering servant was. And his name was Jesus. And, and he would be beaten and whipped and, 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 and nailed to a cross. But, but he didn't stay on that cross. He rose again three days later. And, and he points this man to Jesus. And, and, and what Jesus can do in his life in spite of suffering, in spite of difficulty, in spite of all the wrongdoing. And, and the man right there in this chariot commits his life to Jesus. And, and they're riding along this chariot, Philip and this eunuch. And they come up on this body of water. And, and, and the man says to Philip, look, there's a body of water. Why shouldn't I get baptized? And that's the question I want to ask you today. Maybe you're here and you've committed your life to Jesus. The Bible talks about the importance of taking that public profession of faith to say, I'm going to be baptized. The old is gone, the new has come. It says in 2 Corinthians that that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. And, And baptism symbolizes that new life in Christ. And maybe you're here and you've just never taken a step. Maybe for different reasons and circumstances. Here's my question. The same question the eunuch asked Philip. Why not here? Why not now? Why not? We've got all the clothes, towel. We're going to have a nice picture for you. Everything that you need. Why not now? Why not here? And, and in a moment, we're going to show a video. As that video is playing with some different stories. If that's you, I want you to slip out of your seat. Make your way to the foyer. And we'll get you all set up and ready to go to get baptized. Before we do that, though, can we pray? I want to pray that that God would just bless these baptisms, that these would be the steps on a journey that, that ignite something in each individual that's being baptized today. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for, Lord, the opportunity for new life. Lord, that we aren't defined by our past. We may carry it with us, but God, that you can redeem it. God, that you can do something good with it, even when it's painful. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move God, in those who, who, who committed their lives to Jesus today, and those who are maybe taking that step of baptism today, that today isn't just another day to go through routine or ritual, but God, today marks a day and a new level in their walk with you. Lord, for those that maybe, God, are wrestling uh, whether or not to get baptized today, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would confirm it. God, that you would just prompt them, give them the courage and the strength, Lord, to slip out, Lord, to take that step. Lord, that, that, that the angels of heaven can rejoice over. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. 
God, be with us and strengthen us. God, let us reflect your love and grace to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 